Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Wonderful. Well, thanks for being here to worship with us. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for spring. Um, Crazy, huh? But, uh, man, we'll take the snow. I'm sure it's just great. Well, if you're visiting with us or tuning in online for the first time, um, welcome. I'm sure uh, glad that you're here. Um, Thanks for being with us to um, uh, worship with us and dive into God's Word. We've been in a series in 2 Corinthians. um, And we're actually going to finish 2 Corinthians and uh, we're going to jump into another section. We're going to stay in this series called Not Just Human. We're wrestling with this uh, incredible thing of really trying to drill down to understand what is it God has saved us to? What, what is it that happens to us in our spirit, our soul, when the Holy Spirit comes in, when we're saved, when we start following Jesus? Um, and to just get us in this morning, we're going to look at this kind of big topic um, that's actually not talked about much, holiness, but one that's absolutely key. Last week we talked um, about uh, open wide our hearts. Um, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be picking up verse 14, go through part of chapter 7 this morning. If you have your Bibles, there's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you if you'd like to follow along. Um, but we're going to just dive in on this idea of pursuing a heart of holiness. Last week we talked about opening wide our heart. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's asking them to open wide their heart that their fellowship um, was breached. And uh, he needed to reconcile. Remember the chapter before we talked about being a new creation. God's given us this beautiful ministry of reconciliation that we're to reconcile our hearts and, and that what God has for us when we follow Jesus, there should be evidence in our life of enhanced relationship. Deep, lasting relationships that are connected because of the Spirit of God working in our lives. And that should be a thing we expect. That's something God wants to do. He wants to bring reconciliation in relationships, and He wants to bring deep, lasting, um, wonderful relationships uh, in our life. uh, If we're following Jesus, it should have an immediate open heart response to us, right, to those that we're involved in relationally. We're going to go deeper into that subject in the sense of what does it look like, right, to... To have my heart opened to the things that God desires for my heart. And that's this issue of holiness. Um, Remember, all through the Bible is that God has called us to be holy because He is holy. And coming to Jesus is is, um, many things. It's the blessing of the grace of God. It's the forgiveness of God. It's a whole new life. It's being a new creation. We could go down the incredible blessings. But what we see in Scripture is that God's desire for us is that we would be holy because He's holy. And Hebrews 12 tells us that no one shall see God without holiness. Um, In Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, one of the Beatitudes, He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um. And I just throw up for us this discussion this morning about holiness. What's happened to it when it comes to the passion of God's people? What's happened to it when it comes to a a primary focus of the church and of the Christian? Um, What God, when He saves you, when He saves us, right? The Spirit of God comes inside, right? Our, Our soul and starts working to make us like Him. 
And that's moving inside out to be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, and we get so caught up. So again, this is where the world has crept in to the church. And we've let our flesh get involved where we're so concerned. Or even our prayer life is so absorbed with, God, do this for me. I need this done for me, God. I need this. I need that. And yeah, that's part of it. And we're in a relationship with God. But the primary thing that we see for God's will, we say, what's God's will for my life? It's your sanctification. It's my sanctification. Is that we would be holy. That is what should be gripping us more than anything else, is are we being conformed to His image? Is there genuine transformation of my heart to be holy? And that has to begin with a pursuit of holiness. Am I even longing for those things? Am I longing to please God more than myself, more than what's around me? And so I just, um, we're going to dive into some pretty, uh, pretty, this is now what, what Paul's doing now is he's revealing and, and uh, he's getting right down to the core issues of what it is that is keeping him and Timothy and the others uh, relationship at a distance from the Corinthians. Uh, just a little history. Remember we talked about when we began this in Second Corinthians. He's written four letters to the Corinthians. Two we don't have anymore. Uh, two are in the Bible. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. But one of his letters he wrote, which he's gonna, we're going to see that's referenced to it, is a letter that grieved the church. Because Paul had to hit them hard, as we're going to see, is that they had stopped really pursuing holiness and they'd gotten wrapped up in the things of the world. They had alliances um, that were corrupting um, their faith and that was grieving the Spirit of God in the church. And therefore, when that happens, relationships are broken. Not just communion with God, but communion with one another um, that is supposed to be flourishing. Holiness, folks. The pursuit of holiness is what binds hearts together. It's what takes relationship deep, whether it's a marriage, friendship, or anything else. It's that joint um, thing together that we pursue. The primary thing that God has called us to is to be like Him. It's to be holy. And we know we can't do that on our own. We know there's a battle of self and the flesh, right, that we'll see. But this is what the church body is to be. It's the house of God. It is to be this pushing on of one another towards what God has for us, is to be holy, like He is holy. And that means we have to take an honest view of the world we live in, and that when God calls us to follow Him, He calls us out of that world. Not that we stop being in it, that's impossible, but that we start to listen to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, live differently right, than the world, and live differently than, the own, than our own desires of our flesh. They're to be surrendered right, to God. And so let me just pray for us as we dive in this morning. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, um, we, we are in desperate times. Father, we need an awakening in your church, Lord. A restoration back to what you've called us to. We need an awakening in our hearts, a hunger, an earnestness, Lord, to be holy like you are holy. For your spirit to come and do what we cannot, we are not able in and of ourselves without your spirit moving, Lord. Awaken in us a hunger, Lord. And this morning, Father, I just pray your spirit would come, bring conviction, bring renewal, bring an awakening. Lord, restore communion with you, God. Take us to a deeper level, Father, of the awareness 
that you're with us, you love us, and you have the best for us, God. Holy Spirit, come now. Let your word move and go deeply, Lord, as we read last week, to the piercing, the division of the soul and the spirit. Show us, Lord, this morning, where we need to realign with you, God. We need to get right with you, God. We need to embrace your grace and not take it, not receive it in vain. So we can be the people, Lord, you've called us to be. The light shining bright, Lord. We love you, Father. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, the Word of God. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 14. Like I said, what Paul is doing here is he's going now, he's, good, he's getting ready to uh, somewhat rebuke the church. Um, he's already given them a hard letter to waken up and he's coming back now because the church has responded. They've gone into a, a place of grief and repentance and, uh, and renewal back to, um, to their relationship, back to their calling, um, what God's called them to. And, and uh, Paul just addresses here when he talks about just uh, what we talked about last week. He says, come on, Corinthians, open wide your hearts to us. Our heart is open wide to you. But the only way you can open your heart wide is if you get honest with the desires of your heart, if you get honest with right, um, your pursuit of holiness or your lack thereof. And you get honest and are willing to be open to conviction to be able to listen and make right, make changes when it comes to um, different alliances and things um, that have just crept into our lives. And so listen to the Word of God. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship is light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Baal? What accord does the kingdom of light have with the kingdom of darkness? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Inheritance, in other words. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, now he quotes Isaiah and some other Old Testament passages, I will make my dwelling among you, among them, and will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body, the flesh, self, and the Spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in our hearts, in your hearts for us, church. Corinthians says, Paul, make room in your hearts. In other words, get rid of the idols, get rid of the distractions, right, that he just met. And I'm not going to take time to read, I just encourage you to read the rest of this. I just want to summarize some things as he moves on to talk to the church. And he says to them, I love what he he, uh, says, make room in our hearts again, because this is his overarching theme here, is reconciliation with the church 
And the thing that's blocking them right now is that the church, the Corinthians, if you know anything about the history of Corinthians, they were going back to the old uh, pagan temples. They were getting back involved in the old pagan ways. And, and um, they were uh, syncretizing and blending in, right? Their pursuit of holiness and, and following God was being corrupted. The world was creeping into the church. And Paul calls them out of that. He calls them to a time of, of, uh, of grief, of confession, of repentance, and, and getting right, and, and calling them because of these incredible promises, what God has for you. He has holiness for you. He doesn't have conformity to the ways of the world. He has a new creation for you. Is pursue that. Set your heart right on what God has for you. And he uh, talks here in verse 8, he says, I've made you grieve with my letter, talking about the, the other letter I was mentioning before. He says, I don't regret it, though I did regret it, and there's, for I see that that letter grieved you, made you sorrowful, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. Is that it moved, right, the church. He's rejoicing. He, he hated being harsh with them, but he rejoiced because the church heeded his rebuke and moved, right, took that sorrow and that grief, moved towards repentance, getting right with God. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Now, this is real important. Verse 10, for godly grief or sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief, worldly sorrow produces death. Really important here is to understand, right, um, is that, and the scripture says we don't grieve like the world does. We have hope. The grace of God. The forgiveness of God, right? If we repent, He forgives us, cleanses us, and brings us back into fellowship and gives and promises an eternal inheritance, right, with Him. The way the world grieves and sorrow is, it's, it, it says it's, it's empty. It leads to death, meaning it, it, leads, it, it only moves towards death. There is no hope in the sorrow of the world. Um, and folks, I think this is a huge problem in our culture today. There's all kinds of sorrow, all kinds of anxiety, right? Mental health is out of control right now. Um, and, and here's, the, I'm just going to tell you the truth, right? Is, is you can bump up someone, you can build that self up all you want, and you can try to instill hope in someone, you can tr- do all kinds of things to help. It will only ultimately end in death unless there's a greater power. And only the gospel comes in with the love of God Right to renew and restore and to make that grief, move it to repentance, and then moves it into life and into the things of salvation, of the love of God, and God's purpose for a life, which is to be like Him, which is to be holy unto Him. Um, now, folks, I, I, there's so much here that we um, need to dive into. Let me just, I'm going to introduce something here, and then we'll come back to it, Okay. Because what does a heart that's pursuing holiness... Holiness is this kind of vague, churchy world word. As soon as we mention holiness, I guarantee in some of your minds, you're, you're immediately thinking judgment. You're thinking harshness. 
right? Uh, those are the things that just b- bombard us, right? Oh, these are that churchy stuff that, um, and folks, here's the reality. Because the church has not talked about this, because uh, the church and teachers have not been true to the scripture like Paul and rebuked, right, where there's a moving more to the world, we're in the place we're in today where uh, the church doesn't look too much different than the world. And if that's the case, you know what? We have not much hope to offer the world except actually a negative witness, right, when they look at our lives as hypocrites. And folks, worship without a pursuit of holiness is hypocrisy at, at its greatest. Worship without a pursuit of holiness is hypocrisy at its greatest. And until the church pursues a heart of holiness to be like him, and then the quality of our relationship with one another um, uh, is not going to move forward. Um, it is not to be all just build up, fluffy, affirming, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. Um, that gets somebody nowhere. Do you realize that? Unless that affirmation is built upon the truth, right? Where there is an openness to bring a loving rebuke into each other's lives to get right with God and to follow Him, right? Um, and so the question is, where did holiness go? Where did it go? And isn't interesting with all the fads and everything, and again, I said all the time, with where our culture is going today, I ask you this question, ask anybody, what's the vision forward? What's the vision forward? With all the things we're doing in our culture, right, relationally and marriage, everything else, identity, all of this confusion that's out there, where's, what's the vision forward? Does anybody have anywhere in history Something we look back, oh, that's, this is going well. We're trying our hardest to promote something as a culture that every single statistic, every single, whether it's emotional, biological, you get on the list of things, spiritually, is crumbling. It's crumbling. But this is what you call blindness. This is what you call hopelessness. This is what you call the blind leading the blind, right, into things that are just going to be more and more destructive. And folks, is there ever a time for believers to stand up and offer hope? Offer a call to the answer is holiness. The answer is to get rid of myself, actually deny myself. That's the only way we can follow Jesus, right? And have the Spirit of God come and bring freedom. And let God determine my identity. Let God and His creative plan and all of His glorious promises, right, start being reality in our lives. That's the hope of the world. That's the hope of our soul, right, that comes with an eternal promise and blessing. Um, So where did holiness go? Why is it that we're willing to rebel against everything, deconstruct everything? Why are we more concerned about listening to the wacky French philosophers than we are the Word of God that made this nation the foundation of so many blessings around the world? But that's what your kids have been taught, whether it's Michael Foucault or just got on the list of guys who lived terrible lives, ended terribly alone, because they carried out in their lives everything we're promoting to our children today. How did they end their lives? Always ask the question before you follow something. What is the fruit of that in a person's life? Now we have to flip that back on the church. What's the fruit, if we're calling people to Jesus, what's the fruit of that in our community, our marriages, our families, our children, our own souls, right? Our own lives. Um just to be honest with that. 
Um, because we're not going to call anybody, right, too. If we aren't pursuing a heart of holiness, um, then we just propagate hypocrisy and uh, we make things worse, right? And this is exactly what Paul is saying as he's longing for the Corinthians to be restored and reconciled to him and what God's called us to so that not just that that can be the horizontal, but that we can have a vertical Right, so that God can do something beautiful. Communion can be restored and the presence of God right, come in. So let me just um, break this down. We're going to come back to this. Just to practice, you say, wow, what does it look like to pursue holiness? Oh, this religious word. And it begins with conviction. And folks, conviction is allowing my heart, opening my heart for God to speak. Everything I believe in, everything, my commitments, everything, my heart, my emotions, my mind, um, my thinking and my will, my decisions, every bit of my soul, right? Every bit of my heart, the deepest part of who I am, I open to God and say, God, you speak. Right? We see it all through the scripture, right? This is the person who falls after God's heart, is the one who lives open-hearted to God, and we know that God sees everything anyway. We looked at that last week. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our heart, and God's more concerned about what's going on in here, what my motive, than he is even my actions, right? A religion just changes the outside. It's the Spirit of God, it's Christianity, it's the gospel that changes the inside so the outside can be conformed to the Spirit of God, what's happening in the heart, right? And um, so this beginning is conviction, and where's that gone today? Right? Because we're so careful to not say something that is going to offend someone, or that might seem like that's judgment. Was Paul concerned about that? Was he concerned about it speaking out in culture or to the church? You know what Paul's commitment was? God's commitment, that you be holy. And if we're not being holy, then we got to call it out. And folks, let me tell you what will deep, what will deep, if you think you're going to have an intimate, long-term relationship, and it's just built upon just kind of loving each other, just kind of coddling each other, just kind of sweeping stuff under, and not having some hard discussions, and bringing each other back to, hey, we're, we're followers of Jesus. What does this say about our marriage? What does this say about how we treat one another? What does this say? We've lost that today. Because we're just soft. I'm just speaking honestly, right? And uh, folks, without conviction, guess what? Just what we read. We're grieved and we're sorrowful, but like the world sorrows. And we can never move towards holiness to the things that God has for us without it. And it's in conviction. So uh, when I open my heart to God, it's, it's, it's the things that, God, show me. As, as David prayed, Lord, show me. The, search my heart, God. I want to be clean right before you. I want your life in me. I want the fullness of what you have for me. I want to be holy. I want to be like you. I want to please you, God, more than myself, more than others. I want to please you, God. That's the pursuit of holiness. And it begins with, first, like, wow, Lord, is there something I'm involved in? Is there um, some unrighteous alliances? Is there something that I'm corrupting this body? Am am I being disobedient to what your word says? And when the Spirit of God reveals it, conviction, when my heart is open, right, it's like, oh, Lord, um, not just I'm sorry, but Lord, I repent. I turn from that. Help me, God, to turn from that to you. And that confession, the next phase is where we get real with it. If we first confess to the Lord, right? And then we confess to one another. That's a command in the scripture is, is we do that. We confess when it's appropriate, right? To one another. Um, let's reconcile. Let's get right here. 
Um, but it's first and foremost, right, to, to the Lord. And the final one is communion. Is This is the promise of God, is that as we read. He, he desires to be with us. His Spirit of God is inside you if you know Christ. He wants intimate, abiding communion. John 14 says He comes to make His home within us. Whoa! Amazing. And that cannot happen. And that's where the abundant life, the joy, the fruit of the Spirit comes alive. Why is there not so... Where's the joy in the, in the church today? What is down here, verse, uh, let's see, 4. Paul says it's in all of our affliction. Remember all the affliction we read about last time? The, his spiritual resume? I am overflowing with joy. Even in the worst of the worst, none of us will come close to experiencing the affliction of Apostle Paul. But even in the midst of the worst of the worst, Paul's there to say, I'm overflowing with joy. Even in the midst of having to say some really tough, hard things to the church, he's overflowing with joy because he knows that God's at work. Where is that today? And let me just say, you, none of us can experience the joy of the Lord without a pursuit of holiness. Here's the problem. We want the love, joy. We want the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. We want all oh, we want. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You just go on the list, right? Man, I, we want that. You can't have that without the pursuit of holiness. And that's kind of this lie. That's kind of this very uh, cheap grace thing that's taken over in our culture is that we, we, we just can have that somehow and we come to God, Lord, I need this, I need peace, I need this, without a heart that is pursuing. The most important thing is, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to be holy like you're holy. And so the first piece of conviction is opening my heart. Lord, what is it I need to correct? Where do I need to repent? Who do I need to get right with? Where am I not in alignment? If I'm playing, let me just say, if I'm playing games with God, if I'm just kind of going through, you know, like Jefferson and take this, I don't like this, I take this, and, and where I make myself God when I'm reading the Bible, rather than I come and submit myself to the Word of God and to Jesus, um, there is no holiness. Therefore, there is no communion with God. It's a false, um, deceptive idea of knowing God, Right? The other aspect of conviction, folks, is just being convicted about things that I'm not doing that I should be doing. So when we read things, right, and we might be here this morning, we're just hit with, man, that person, I I need to get with such and such. I need to call such and such. I need to get right with such and such. I need to affirm my wife uh, for what she's done for me uh, this week or something. That's the other, yes. (laughs) Um, So... uh, there's the, and we see this all through the Bible, right? The process of, of holiness becoming like Him is it's a putting off, taking off the old clothes, putting on the new clothes, the new creation. Setting aside, right? Something that was the old way, putting on the new creation. It's always putting something to death, nailing it to the cross, and bringing the life of the Spirit into my life. That's the process, right, of holiness. So I'll come back to this. I just want to run through a couple things just to help us just understand in our own lives, man, where is this issue of holiness? And if I'm struggling with God, and let me just say, uh, boy, I don't think there's, I have more conversation right now with, and hear more stories of people, uh, I'm talking about believers, people who have put their faith in Jesus who are just struggling, right? Struggling with their faith, struggling with where is God? And, and uh, folks, this is where, this is where it begins, Because communion is the issue. If I'm struggling with my relationship with God and that peace that surpasses all understanding, the joy of the Lord, 
If those things aren't there, then most likely God wants me to go on a journey. There is, I need to step back up to the conviction, right? And Lord, what am I? Open my heart. Lord, show me. Where am I out of alignment with you? And also, Lord, show me what am I not listening to? What do I need to heed and put into action as well, right? All right, a couple things here. A um, couple remembers. The first one is this, remember always, in this pursuit of holiness is remember, right, that he's called us to be holy. And when we come to faith, the whole Christian uh, uh, process, church itself, the family of God, as we engage with one another, our primary thing in talking to each other, our primary commitment needs to be shifted to a pursuit of holiness. Man. And when we engage each other, this is where relationship gets vital, lifelong, deep, and vibrant is uh, when we have open hearts with each other and can speak a rebuke to each other and an encouragement to each other to press on for what God... In other words, it's an encouragement for each of us to line up with all that God has for us. That is Christian fellowship. That is Christian faith friends. And, and here's the deal, and I could just give you example after example, my own life is, and, and, but I can tell you, is relationship, marriage, parent-child relationship, it breaks down quickly when there isn't a commitment to a heart of holiness. Why does Christian fellowship, just maybe think yourself right here, you're sideways in relationship. And what I know is that when one person steps aside, when one believer stops listening to conviction, stops bringing their life before the Word of God, is guess what? That person is going to have, is going to impact every relationship they have in their life. Because ultimately, it impacts the relationship with God. And you can't be out of whack with God and expect to have deep heart to heart faith friendships, right? If I'm not in communion with God. If there isn't a desire to please God and to receive, right, His holiness, right, and have Him help us with that. Because Lord knows, right, just look at the history of the world. We cannot do this. That's the other thing about what God's called us to is none of us can do it. That should be clear, right? How many times have we failed? I can't do it. But you can, Lord. And you promise that what you ask is ask us to come humbly as a child before you and your spirit will rush in. And that's not in isolation. That's inviting others into the project. To journey with others. I need your help. Pray for me. Walk with me. Show me how to take hold of these great promises and see them do something awesome, right, in my, in my life, right? And so he's called us, right, to be holy. So let me just step back and look at these verses. He says some bold things. Six things he calls out in the church. They've been rebelling. And because of that rebellion, their fellowship with Paul, the one who planted the church, and the, other, the larger church at hand, and with each other, has been corrupted. And the first one, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? And so what he means here is not that, of course, we have tons of relationships. We're to be in the world. We're to love people and be with people. But he's talking about an intimate connection. Obviously, you can go to 1 Corinthians 7. This is primarily by marriage as well. Don't be unequally yoked. You cannot have a heart-to-heart relationship, especially in marriage or any intimate relationship, if the first thing, you're not united on who God is. And if two hearts, how can two hearts, and he goes on, but this part is how can you 
have two hearts that are beating together when one has the presence of the Holy Spirit submitted to God and His Word and the other just has self. They're doing their own thing. Creating God in their own image. Just, you know, whatever they want. Atheist, agnostic, whatever you want to say in there. Or another religion. How can two hearts like that have union? It's impossible. Um, and we play around with that, gang. This is what Paul's calling out. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? In other words, our standards be like God. If you're going to follow Jesus, the standard of how I'm going to treat you, how I'm going to treat others out there in business and everything else is according to God. I'm, I'm, I'm accountable to God. So if I'm dealing with business out there, it, is I'm not, you know, whether it's taxes or anything else, is, man, I'm accountable to God. I'm, I'm accountable to righteousness, right? To be like Him. If you're in the world and you don't have the Spirit of God and the conviction of God uh, inside you, then you know what? All you got is self. It's going to go the way of the world. And folks, do we see lawlessness increasing in our nation today? It's a whole nother issue. <laughs> um, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Koinonia, deep fellowship with people. If you can go out, if you know Jesus, and you can go out and live the same way with people who don't know Jesus, and party hard, and do everything that the world enjoys doing, then we're going to have to question whether the Spirit of God is inside you. And this is what happened with the Corinthians, is the world started creeping back in, and they started going back to the temples, going back to the temple prostitutes, going back to the old ways of the world, and Paul's calling them out. Saying, what do you think you're doing? You can't have fellowship with that and, right, with God. Um, what accord is Christ, right, with... In other words, if, you're represent, if we represent Jesus where I go, right, when, at wherever, whatever I step into, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Wow. And, the, and that should radically change how I live, how I treat people, how I love people, and where I go. And what I listen to and how I treat people and I'm, I'm representing Him. And so are people looking at me like that? This is tough stuff, isn't it? And immediately, let me just come back to it because the, the, the avenue today, even in churches, oh, that's so judgmental. It's because of the lack of holiness. The lack of a priority on pleasing God rather than man or myself. We'll never see God. We'll never lay hold of the the incredible glory and wonder and freedom and joy that Lord has for us and the love of God without holiness, without a commitment to that. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What inheritance? As two hearts coming together, one has the Spirit of God, one is following Jesus, one is resting in the assurance that they have eternal life, that Jesus is preparing a place for them. He's going to unite everything in heaven and earth to get. What does the other person have? What is their portion? What is their assurance of, of after death? There is no union when it comes to understanding the greatest things in life. What is going to happen when you die? And Paul's saying, come on, you can't. That relationship only goes so far. And obviously, the one who knows God is to love this person and to hopefully be a wonderful, loving example to that person of please be reconciled to God. He loves you. He'll forgive you. His grace is abundant. His love is abundant. Embrace, let Him embrace your, you and save you so that your heart is not void of those things. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Man. 
so he's calling them out. And he goes, he quotes the Old Testament. All this tithe, the Bible just fits together as perfect as a glove. If you know Jesus, he's called you to be separate. Radically separate. Not weird and judgmental and all that kind of junk, but separate. And it was living confidently in the things of God. Not, not tempted and, and, and weak and falling to the same things that hold the world in bondage. Being set free. And being an ambassador of light and hope. Lord knows, we have many who need to hear this, but a bold, joy, loving message. There's something better. God has something better for you. Holiness, folks, is better. At every turn, I, I, would, I, would, I would debate anybody if you can tell me that open sex, sexual revolution, hey, whatever you want to do with your body, if you think that is going to be better for society or for your life, I'll go head to head with you at every turn. Matter of fact, I'll back it up with science. Emotionally, psychologically, <laughs> community. Really? I mean, do you really think just do what you want to do with your body? That's going to be good. Determine what you want to, even though you'll never, ever be what you think you can be. Somebody needs to tell people truth. It's leading them down a path of just uh, uh, destruction. That's love. Love is not sitting back, oh, you know, coddling and affirming. That's not love. That's wimpy. I don't know. It's just wimpy. (laughs) What I need, I need truth. Right? If anybody changes, you've got to hear the truth. It might be hard, like Paul here. He hit them hard. And they responded. And he's rejoicing later on in this letter. They responded. Right? Well, to the better. Right? Um, remember, folks, this is his house. Now, this is this. I'm going to kind of just need to think about this. This is his house, not my house, not the elder's house, not members of Crossroads' house. This is his house. We steward, we have the privilege to steward. He, and what, what do we read right here in verse 17? He goes, he quotes, and, he, and he says, Then when, when my people separate them, when they pursue holiness, when they want to please me more than themselves or the world, I will welcome them. Now, folks, let me just throw this out to you. Would this not radically change the context of church in America? We have this flipped around. We sing songs about, We're, you're welcome in this place, God. Uh, we welcome you in this place, right? And, and I have no problem with that. I just want to go a little deeper, right? Is that, wait a minute, this is his house. Now, let me go deeper. This is his house. 1 Corinthians 6, if you know Jesus... And you've received him by faith. He has purchased your life. All of you. By the precious blood of Jesus. You belong to him. Your body belongs to him now. And he has a better plan than what myself could ever come up with. He has the most glorious identity that could be placed on anyone wishes to be. And then I'll be your father. If you set yourself apart, church, and be holy, then I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters. Do you see the, you see the, 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 the way that works? 
What is the number one thing that, young, that, that we're dealing with today in our culture? It's identity, isn't it? I'm talking about in the church. Confusion resting in that I'm a child of God. My Father loves me. My identity is in Him. My, my, all my hope, my promises, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. It's all wrapped up in Him. Uh, he's forgiven me. His grace is abundant in my life. And I'm joyful no matter how bad, no matter, and this is very important, no matter how bad the trauma in my past was, I, as Paul says, I am overflowing with joy because of my Father who loves me. What He's done for me, how He loves me, and the future He has for me. Right? And so that would be a radical change, wouldn't it? And so I just throw that out to you, folks. When you think about coming to church is what would change? And for us, the leaders of the church, would we not lead differently? This is your house, God. Before we make a decision, boy, we need to hear from you. This is your house. Would it change how you get up in the morning? Would it change your, your, your preparation in coming to church if your mindset that you laid over your children, everything is, we got to get to church. God is welcoming us into his house to meet with us. He wants to commune with us. That would change my preparation, wouldn't it? If I looked at things that way. It's his house. And this is his house. This is where there's a radical difference between the world and the church. Should be. This is his. It was redeemed. Every bit of it. And I submitted to him. I honor him. I'm a steward this now. Because he's going to redeem. He's going to resurrect it just like he did Jesus. And he has amazing blessing for me. He wants me to be holy like he is. Right? Does that make sense, gang? And until the church, until we get bold with that, the joy can't break on. Folks, we should be weeping over the destruction happening right now in people's lives. We should be grieving. We should be, Lord, pleading with him to move, to open people's hearts because of the utter destruction that's going on. And calling upon the Spirit of God to come and show us how to love them and how to present boldly the truth with them. God has something most better. He wants to redeem you. He wants to save you, set you apart. No matter where you've been, no matter how much darkness you've been, no matter how many of these things you've gone off, we all have gone off to, His grace is sufficient. He will forgive, He'll wash, He'll cleanse it, and He'll set us as a son or daughter with a glorious inheritance from Him. That message needs to go boldly. But it can't go boldly from a hypocritical church that's saying one thing but living differently. This body needs to be holy, set apart, unto the Lord, submitted, right, to the Word of God. Man, we just said, He's welcomed us. That would radically change things, wouldn't it? And folks... Again, let me just say, when you turn on the YouTube, when you listen to worship modern music today, when you see the crowds praising and everything, let me just say, in this house, my exuberance, my expression in worship should line up with my heart in pursuit of holiness. If I'm here giving praise to God, but I am not pursuing holiness, that is radical hypocrisy. Might even be blasphemous. What Jesus said, what does God say in the Old Testament? Ah, oh, their lips are, are saying they believe in me, but their heart is far from me. This is what we have to restore today. 
I don't care how big the crowd is. I don't care how awesome the worship is or the experience is. If there's not evidence of holiness, God's not there. He's not blessing it. He wants a holy people. Then he will come and welcome and bring his power and his restoration and his grace. Um, But to follow Jesus is to pursue holiness. And I think we've just given this lie out there that you can come to Jesus and and he'll forgive you and life's going to be great and everything. No, count the cost. It's hard. Matter of fact, it's impossible (laughs) to be like Jesus. It's impossible to obey this Bible. Impossible. Though the whole Old Testament kind of proves that out. Even with supernatural miracles, right? Because, oh, just show me God. Well, just go read the Old Testament. We'd all do the same thing. You think just walking through a column of party water and, oh, now I believe. Never, miracles never instill faith. It's a supernatural event of a mystery of God and your soul who longs for God. And he comes and redeems. Right? And so, folks, that's what we have to go for is that call of holiness. So, um, a couple of quick things here. Um, and Derek, y'all can come on up. Um, folks, he's our father. We already looked at this. Remember, we're his children. He can't be my father if I'm not set apart for him in pursuit of holiness. And finally, um, I'm going to end with this and ask this question, are we presence people? You understand what I mean by that? Are we a presence church? Are we more, just to simplify that, am I more concerned about God's presence and pleasing Him than getting my needs met? What's my priority? What is our church's priority? Is it experiencing the presence of God? Is it honoring Him? Is it pleasing Him? Or is it pleasing a watching world out there? Or is it getting my, you know, my prayer list met or something? And again, God cares about that. But that shouldn't be the priority. To be a presence person in a, in a, a presence church is there has to be a renewal of a pursuit of holiness, the things that please God. And it begins with my, with my body, right? In my spirit. And so just in conclusion, um, and I've just been praying through this this week and... Um, I just want to take us on just a little, uh, um, we'll come back to that um, in the weeks ahead. But back to these three words, um, just the practical takeaway. And just to ask you, where's conviction in your life? When was the last time the Spirit of God convicted you about the Word of God? And you repented. You turned 180 degrees, you turned from that, and you turned to God. And then you moved into confession. You came before God and you, and you experienced the forgiveness of God, you forgive, the grace of God, and you brought others into that in confession and, and asked them to hold, help journey with you, hold you accountable right to that. What the Bible promises is your communion will become real at that point. Radical experience with God. There is no revival without these things. That's just a welling up of emotion, right? If these things are not present. And when was the last time you were convicted about something that, that uh, even something small that God just lays on your heart? Man, I need to go and do this for this person. I need to go get right with this person. I need to say this with my spouse, whatever it may be. And stepped out in faith because you, you want to be right with them, reconcile with them, and you want to be right with God. 
I mean, is reading the Bible just an intellectual thing? Is it just kind of picking the pieces that you want? Are you okay to read the hard stuff and open your soul to it, right? So, Father, we come to you. We need your help. I need your help, Lord. Father, I'm a fleshly person. I, I, I have desires that don't please you. I, have, I get so easily consumed with things of the world, Lord, that distract me, Lord, from your best for my life. Holy Spirit, move in this place. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you, God, that's just unsure, Lord, do what only you can do. None of us can convert anybody. Can't even convince them. It's impossible. It's a supernatural thing, God, where a heart is ready to receive you and you lovingly, sovereignly come and awaken their soul to follow you, Jesus, to receive you as Lord and Savior and to set them free, radical freedom, to be a new creation. Lord, convict us. Help us live open-hearted before you and before each other to be honest, to call out hypocrisy where hypocrisy is there, to call out unholiness when it's there, and to lean into your forgiveness and your grace, God. Lord, to confess our sins to one another, first to you, God. Lord, knock the walls down. In each of our lives, in this church, Lord, help us please you first and foremost. Lord, may each of us represent you, Jesus, beautifully to this community, God. With bold love. Father, we need communion with you. We need intimacy with you. Lord, I know I can speak for each of us. We need that when we come to the table. We need it to be real. We need to experience your cleansing, Lord. Um, Your love. Father, I don't know. We need... We need uh, anguish, Lord. I think we need a, a heart that's broken for the brokenhearted. We need hearts that are broken, Lord, for, for our own people, Lord, that are just dabbling as the Corinthians into the suck back into the world, Lord. Lord, show us what real love is, Lord. It's truth. It's truth. We can't love without the truth. We can't love without holiness. It's a pursuit of holiness. And Lord, wash us of any self-righteousness. Lord, we know any good we have, any good we offer anybody, Lord, it's because <laughs> of you. We, we, we lift you up because you're the only perfect one. Whisper, come and do business. This is your house. It's to be a house of prayer. To be a house of righteousness and holiness. Lord, we need this. That's why you say don't forsake gathering together, Lord, because we just move away from righteousness. We, we go soft on holiness when we're not together in your house. 
where you realign us, Lord, with your goodness and love and holiness. Lord, we want to commune with you, God. Make it real here, Lord. Yeah, Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.